What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Kayla Pearson, joining me again in the host spotlight. She's awesome. We all love her. Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, what's up? Hey, I How have missed being here. It has been a few weeks. It has been. And yeah. even when you were here, sometimes it feels like I'm not. And it's like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like Mark Francis is fun, but he's not Alicia fun. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> well see if he listens. it's good to be back in the yeah. booth with you guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, he's with us back again, the man, the myth, the Mark Carey. Mark, how's it going, buddy? Good. Good. Thanks for being here. Yep. Uh, we just got to take in some of the auditorium developments and the shades and the carpet and the paint and all this stuff. Yeah, the uh, ugly curtains are gone. It's a new era. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, it looks so good out there. Yeah. 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 So very take exciting notice. times here at FBC. Hopefully we'll be finished with that whole kind of project to end of next month or at the latest and be able to, yeah, just experience the blessing of this campus. Crazy to think it's been a long time in this building now, yeah. but just wild. Um, yeah, everything will be new, but the same old people will be coming. <laughs> well, I think right now nothing's not yeah, a whole lot next, changed. I know what renovation we should do next. Be... <laughs> no, but, yeah, it's very good, guys. Let's jump into a, a Sunday in review. Um, man, it feels like we're getting close to the end of this thing. Yeah. As, as we're reading Acts and just yeah, you can count, can't you? <laughs> Very good, Caleb. Right, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> chapter twenty-four this weekend. Grander and grander chapters. scale. The uh, gospel's been triumphing. Alicia, I'll come your way first, and Mark, I know you you have something you want to elaborate on as well. So, yeah, yeah. let's talk the weekend. So this was a love-hate relationship when I looked at this uh, with Mark's sermon. Y- no, with no, with the sermon notes, <laughs> yeah. I I I looked at this and I was like. How is he going to pull this off? This is two and a half chapters. <laughs> There's no way. Because I like to, you know, chew and, you know, mm-hmm. smaller nuggets. And this was like overwhelming when I looked at it. And I was thinking, I'm going to be like, have to be like Ezekiel and eat the scroll, you know, rather than just chew on it. <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, so mm-hmm. so that's the hate part of it. But the love part of it is that it was so good. And you took this two and a half chapters and basically held us captivated with the Mm storyline and the descriptive action that was happening. And um, it was really neat to actually kind of picture what was happening and mm-hmm. um, and then to see God triumphing through it. And then um, highlighting the life of Paul obviously is is heavy through here. and and you walked us through these six acts, essentially, mm-hmm. of what was happening in these two and a half chapters. And then you brought us to the these application points, which um, I thought were really, um, especially in such a large chunk, really important because, Paul encountered Jesus. He's he encountered him two times. The first was his conversion, and then the second time is in twenty three eleven. And um, I just I, I'm imagining on the second encounter what that was like to have Jesus standing there next to him, encouraging him, and just saying, "I'm I'm not finished. You're you're going to get to Rome," and be encouraged. Um, because God in his sovereignty had chosen Paul. He had appointed him for the purpose of going to the Gentiles and the job wasn't done yet. And so God was just encouraging Paul's heart to say, I'm going to see this through. 
And, um, mm -hmm. you know, so the, the application for us to recount uh, what God has done in our lives, um, and, and even just in throughout scripture, it's just, um, it really blessed my heart. And, um, I went and had lunch with some friends afterwards and they needed to hear this message mm. just as much as I did. And, and I think that That's that cool. was, a throughout well, I, the whole body, yeah. we needed to hear this message. Mm. I think it can be refreshing to study study the Bible at this rate on a Sunday morning as well. You know, we, we do expositional teaching. You can dive into a passage. You can really chew on it or take it very slowly and, and talk about each word and, and how mm -hmm. there's one conclusion there. But it, to, to see it as a story as well and mm -hmm. to see it captivate over time and, and over multiple chapters, I think that's helpful too, yeah. because you, you can read the Bible in so many ways, and, and you can keep going and kind of get it all. And not that we want to do that every week. But yeah, right. so why okay, right. did you choose to, to do such a huge chunk this past Sunday? Because I knew Kayla was getting tired of Acts. We had to get through this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Mis spreading misinformation. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, well, I, I, you know, I can't remember, because it was months ago when we put this he mapped it all out. Schedule. Yeah. But it was just, that was an entire story. Uh -huh. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool? Could, why, don't we, why don't we try that? Yeah. And it, it's, it is, so Well, you tackled story. it and you did a fantastic job. Yeah, it just well, was so well done. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Like, that was really brave of you. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on, on the back end, when you're planning to, to teach and preach through it. I mean, it's difficult. The the larger the passage, the more difficult it is. You you, you feel burdened with, uh, I don't want to omit. What do, what do I omit here? What do I leave leave at face value? What do I really dive into? But it's sometimes, so, you know, God is sovereign. Um, we're not big enough to get in His way. And people can leave going, it seemed like there was more in that chapter than Mark was able to preach. You mm -hmm. betcha, yeah, right? You could have preached on one verse. And that's and why I did say, you know, I wanted to make that emphasis, I think I did in all the services, that go home, ask the Holy Spirit <laughs> to go back through this, and what what may hit you. Right. That, yeah. that, uh, well, and that's what's so cool about, I know you coming on the, the podcast here, and, and Abby as well. Abby and Emma will meet together and read through Acts even before we, we preach it, and I know you will study it too. And when, when you see people doing that, kind of beyond the Sunday morning mm -hmm. thing, and then they start to anticipate or get curious about, man, I wonder if he's going to acknowledge that, you can start to see people personalizing Scripture yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, the main point that we wanted to communicate was this idea of not forgetting, looking back and recalling God's faithfulness. And, and as Paul was telling his journey, how that must have encouraged him as he saw all the sovereign movements of God mm -hmm. showing up and and uh, and remembering that and, and God communicating to him, you're going to go to Rome. I mean, there's a plan that God has for life and he's not falling asleep on the job. He is, he will carry that through. We are created uh, for good works that we should walk in them. Mm -hmm. uh, we are his workmanship. I, I was thinking of uh, back in Deuteronomy uh, when when the people are about to go into the promised land in the second given of the law in Deuteronomy in chapter 8, that's God comes to the Israelites in verse 2. He says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Mm -hmm. So that you don't, and then it goes in verse 11, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, God knows that we have a propensity to forget, forget yeah. which scared. is why we have communion. We should have communion, mm -hmm. uh, is mm -hmm. do this in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was the 
really two and a half chapters i whittled it down to kind of that application mm-hmm. um we need to That's recall yeah. there's a there's a clip going around on on social media of this this pastor i don't know his name but he, he basically challenged churches and he said he said we do a good job talking about um the book of the god but how well do we know the god of the book Mm-hmm. And raising the value of of seeing all these different scriptures coming together, and even even doing a study or attending church in, on a weekend, to such a degree that you're actually trying to know more about God, mm-hmm. not not know more about that Acts chapter. It's not it's not a fun yeah. fact. I, uh, awesome. I think we can stop there. And I know my temptation is to stop mm-hmm. there because I love studying this stuff. And so when I learn a nuance about a verse I didn't know was there, I get very excited. I'm like, part of me is like, sweet, I know that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, but there's this another deeper step, yeah. and it's holy, holy smokes, the God God did that. He put that together That's in right. such a and way. I love how at the towards the end you emphasize that um, in this remembrance that we can celebrate and worship God. It's just it's mm-hmm. another way that we can make much of who He is. Mm-hmm. And um, I I was just thinking to myself and reflecting on Paul and his encounters that he had with Jesus, and. I was, how do I encounter Jesus? You know, how, how does, because I mean, what, what was going on in Paul's scenario is very extraordinary and special and unique for that time. Mm-hmm. But I can experience Jesus now too. Mm-hmm. It may not look like Jesus is standing next to me, encouraging me that way, but he's given me his word where I can mm-hmm. experience him. He's given me the body of believers around me to encourage me and be Jesus mm-hmm. to me and his Holy Spirit, That's like right. the comfort of the Holy Spirit ministering to my heart. And if it's not for the Holy Spirit, this word is dead to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not depending on the Holy Spirit as I'm reading God's word and interacting with his people, it's worthless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just, I think, recognizing the... Um, the role of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Trinity, you know, that person of the Trinity is alive and active. And that is how I am experiencing mm-hmm. Jesus. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then that helps you see, I think I use the phrase divine coincidences mm-hmm. in those lives. So we don't see them as, as, oh, that was an interesting happening. Wait a minute. No, mm-hmm. that is the they're personal pro- God, that personal God that is providentially working in these things. And we celebrate that yeah. because he's personal. Right. He's actively engaged right. in my life in these little, little details. I can remember my mom when I was a little kid, going somewhere, and we had to. She would pray, "Okay, Lord, help me find that parking place." I thought I can remember thinking, "Why would you pray for that?" That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and some people would think that that's frivolous, but it wasn't to her. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. God was ever active in all things. Well, she's mm-hmm. praying without ceasing. Yeah, right? yeah. And, then- and I was very happy as a young kid to have a parking place right close to the door. So I didn't have to walk all the way. Thank you, Jesus. But no, these, God is uh, intimately and intricately involved. Uh In the big things and the little little tiny things. things. That's right. Um, And also in just how he's made us. And, And I'm just like thinking about Paul and the, just God's sovereign, a providential work in Paul's life and who he created him as, and like his birthplace is, you know, being born Roman and also being Jewish and, mm-hmm. and then his, um, the, the privilege the, that he had in his learnedness and his education mm-hmm. and then his personality and ability to communicate. I don't know if he really was a good like communicator, but he, 
he clearly communicated what God had intended yeah, for yeah. him. And he like, I, I, um, I was thinking about Matthew 10 when Jesus was talking to his, um, dis- the uh, disciples before he was sending them out off. Let's see. I don't know if I have it marked or not. Um, but anyway, he's, he says, behold, I'm sending you out as a sheep in the midst of the wolves. So be wise as serpent and innocent and as doves and, and, or another translation is shrewd. And Paul was shrewd. Like he was very wise in his ways and he, um, he could judge and work things to his advantage. And so like that can be used in a good way or in a bad way. Mm -hmm. And just his personality, like God made him that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he, God used Paul to further the gospel with his shrewdness. Like he did. Yeah, Which is and, so that, cool. and then talk about Claudius Lysias or Lysias, you know, the commander, the tribune who was the head of. What, what an interesting, at the right time, and and here was a guy who cared about the Roman law, and you know he didn't make tribune because he was a slackard. He, he cared about Roman law, and so he was right there, and it could have been someone else else there in in Jerusalem at that time, but it was this guy, and he God used him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what was the back story to that? There's something we don't know, but then yeah. mm-hmm. all these intriguing things. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a great passage. The, the one thing that, uh, you know, again, it was a big, long passage, mm-hmm. so I didn't post hold deep on some of these things, but uh, it was, was the whole thing about um, going to the Jerusalem elders, James, and them saying, this is what you need to do. You need to, so that everybody is, knows that you are, uh, you know, you are a law, you care about the law. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and that's another thing that kind of stood out to me that was a little interesting was, so James is Jesus's half brother, correct? This, this is the James, is this the James that Jesus is half brother? Yes. Okay. Because the, the other so, James was dead. Yes. So he's in Jerusalem and then Paul's sister, nephew, like they're in Jerusalem. So clearly he's he has family there. Yeah, it would seem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, we don't know the backstory, but yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that's another cool little detail of like, oh, yeah. okay, God, you're sovereign over this and, mm-hmm. you know. Right, yeah. The, the, the thing I want to bring out, though, is that when they talk about, um, you know, people are saying that you are teaching all the Jews, verse 21 of chapter 21, who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their, their children or to walk according to the customs. You know, what are we going to do? And he said, well, you know, therefore this is what we're going to tell you to do. And, you know, there are these four men, purify styles, so on and so forth, uh, pay their way. Why? Um, and all will know that there's nothing to these things which have been told about you, but that you yourselves also walk orderly, keeping the law. So, I, you know, that the, the, one of the questions was that can be raised is, well, I thought Paul was pretty strong about you don't have to be, uh, wasn't he kind of caving here and wasn't he... Mm. Uh, being deceptive and not practicing and what he's preaching, not practicing what he's preaching. Why, you know, he should have said, No, no, wait, 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 I don't have to do that because we're free from the law. That's and you go back and realize, uh, you know, what 10 years before or eight years before he wrote his epistle to the Galatians in 40 in 8049, 
you know, there's strong evidence there. So uh, about about his view of the law. Mm-hmm. So for instance, um, Galatians three uh, or two, uh, chapter two, verse nineteen of Galatians. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. In chapter three, are you foolish Galatians? You know who has bewitched you? You know you're 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 falling back into the law system. Um, verse thirteen, he said, Christ redeemed us from the law, from the curse of the law, having become a, a curse for us. Um, uh, in uh, verse nineteen of chapter three of Galatians, why the law then? What well, was added because of transgressions? But he goes on and says, therefore, verse twenty four, the law has become our tutor until Christ. But now that faith has come, you are no longer under that tutor, under Christ. And he says the same thing in Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Romans, um, in Romans chapter 7, he's very clear in Romans chapter 7, verse 1, where he writes, um, Do you not know, brethren? For I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. Uh, the for the married woman is bound by the law to her husband, and he goes on using that illustration. When mm-hmm. the husband's dead, you, the the bond is broken. Mm-hmm. Verse um, four. Therefore, my brethren, using that as an analogy, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work. In the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But verse six says, but now we've been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. I mean, mm. clearly, right. and, and if Paul wrote this Galatian epistle, say 10 years before, eight years before, they had copies of it. I mean, they knew what Paul was, and that's what the rumors were saying. But if you go back to that Acts passage, what what were they actually saying, uh, accusing Paul of? It says in verse... Um, he was defiling the holy place. He brought a gentle, Gentile into the temple, apparently. Well, that, yeah, but that was later. But when, the, when James and the leaders are talking to him in verse 21, it says, and they have been told about you, what, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses telling them not to circumcise their children. Now, for clarity's sake, Paul never told the Jews among the Gentiles that they couldn't do that. Couldn't do it. He certainly made it clear among the Gentiles. He told the Jews, don't put that on the Gentiles. They don't have to do it. And the whole letter to the Galatians was these Judaizers were coming into the Gentile church and trying to force them under that. Mm -hmm. And so that he, but no, Paul was not teaching all the Jews among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. Mm-hmm. So there is some cl- clarity there. It, so, so my conclusion, I think, and my understanding would be, um, if you were a Jew, Paul wouldn't have a problem. If you want to maintain your Jewishness and the feasts, mm-hmm. that all that's meaningful, his point would, but you don't have to. Right to earn a spot in heaven mm-hmm. and you don't do it to gain favor with God. Right. So whether it's our justification or our sanctification, it's not bound by our obedience. But if it's a uh, if it's an expression of your piety, if that's meaningful to you, right. uh, so the people in Jerusalem were the Jewish believers who were confused and had heard that Paul said, 
to the Jews, you shouldn't do anything with Moses anymore. And, and that wasn't the case. So do you I, think that they were maybe exaggerating too? And like by saying, cause you know, here Paul is taught, giving a report about what God was doing among the Gentiles. And then they're like, you, you see brother, how many thousands there are among Jews of those who believe they are all zealous for the law. And, and so do you think that they might be like exaggerating a little bit just to kind of well, like seeing, seeing that, oh my, the Gentile church is really getting a hold of things. We need to like angle this to where, Oh, wait, no, I, but the Jews are I, zealous. I, there's no question. The week before, mm -hmm. I, I talked about that, that disunity a little bit in the body. Mm -hmm. There was a me and them mm -hmm. mentality. It's us sure. and them, I mean, us mm -hmm. and them. And uh, that yeah. was the great tension in the early church. Yeah. So well, I, I don't, because it, as soon as Paul finishes telling his report, what you just said, they, they immediately said, oh, yeah, but there's thousands of Jews yeah, are coming. Yeah, yeah. They're zealous for the law. So what are you going to do about it, Paul? Right. Because yeah. right. we're not in Gentile territory anymore. This is Jerusalem. <laughs> right. These are our people. And do you, I mean, clearly Paul had an understanding of the essentials and the non-essentials. And he does not compromise no. mm -hmm. on, on the essentials. And um, when I was just studying this, I had written down... Um, first Corinthians in chapter nine. And I thought that this kind of describes how Paul's interaction with them is for though I am free from all, I have made myself mm -hmm. a servant to all that I might win more of them to the Jews. I became a Jew in order to win Jews to those under the law. I became as one under the law. They're not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law to those outside the law. I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law to the weak. I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share. I might may share with them in its blessings. Yeah. So like that summarizes. You start to see why he's saying the same thing to so many people. <laughs> mm. And and there there could be this game of telephone of well well we heard he preach or taught this. You could just see Paul <laughs> visiting all these people but from all his mouth, humanity. It was consistent. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and part of that freedom mm -hmm. that he's talking about Paul was free. He said that in Galatians. I you know, mm -hmm. I'm free. There mm -hmm. the gospel sets me free uh, from the law. Mm -hmm. But that freedom can be expressed to be under the law. Through the law. If, mm -hmm. if, if that would make a difference in people's lives. And I'm free not to be under the law. Mm -hmm. So he didn't want the... The Jews didn't... The, you certainly don't want the Gentiles to feel like they had to become Jewish. Right. But the Jews didn't want to feel like they had, had to, to become, become Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a contention. And, and, and the problem is that that can get warped. It's a very fine line between saying, I'm going to follow these feasts and these whatever and, and do this um, as, a, as an example of piety and my love for God. It's a very fine line between that and all of a sudden slipping into a bit of a legalism, legalism again. that yeah. says, I better do this. Right. Or I, I'm not law, right with God. It doesn't merit, That's right. it doesn't merit salvation. Right. Jesus is. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But the old Judaism said it did. Right. And so... Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, you're breaking years of culture, Ye years of culture and tradition. They're having to evaluate right. why they do what they do. Think of this. I mean, we're 1950 years removed from that early church, early church scene of Jews and Gentiles coming again. When Paul goes to Jerusalem, he's 30, this is 30 years from the beginning of the church, 25 years, mm -hmm. just 10 years from when he wrote Galatians. Mm -hmm. This is all fresh. This is mm -hmm. all new. And it was, 
it, it's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. And you are now a follower of Jesus living in that hot environment, yeah. anti-Jesus environment of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. You've been persecuted mm -hmm. or whatever. And you, you know, you want to, Judaism is important to you. It's my traditions. It was, you know, tradition. And you, and you and, got to imagine, I mean, you put that 30 years into context, m the scholars and the leaders of the time when it started to change are now aging out. Maybe there's this I don't know the life expectancy exactly at that time was, but you could see a, a shift happening. Well, we've been teaching this our whole lives or this, that, and the other. You have these new up-and-comers, 20, 30, 40 years old. I was born in Judaism. That's what right. do you mean everything my parents did and did and did? Those what? believers who true were Christ followers, uh -huh. it was understandable to be pressured sure. and the friction. And mm -hmm. and they, it was like, we just don't need Paul to come in here and stir mm -hmm. things up. Yeah. Of course, right, that, that, right. that was going to happen anyway. So that that is... Now, I don't know for sure all what the applications are for us in, in those contexts. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what, what, what does that Muslim do who becomes a Christ follower mm -hmm. and, uh, and then tries to, you know, you, what, what, where, where do you go? Right. Or uh, uh, people come out of, uh, out of Judaism mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they might become maybe Messianic Jews mm -hmm. and, and that is meaningful to them mm -hmm. as... Um, well, I think the application would be what you brought out in your sermon was when Paul was recounting his story, he says, who are you, Lord, and what shall I do, Lord? And I think that that would be the same application in that same yeah, scenario. Yeah. So I have something kind of cool that uh, jumped out to me when I was studying <clears throat> under the heat of this, what's happening. And this is, this is in 23 when Paul is before the council. Mm -hmm. And um, Paul says, brothers, I've lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And then verse two says, and the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. So, and then Paul like lashes back. But I was like, okay, Ananias, well, obviously we know Ananias from his previous story. And so... Which is not the Ananias it's not the of same Damascus. A, yes. So it's right, right, right. this is the different an right. Ananias. But it's like this, having the, the same priest. name. It's, you know, Jim and Jim or Steve and Steve, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so I, I went back and um, in the recounting in Acts 9 mm, of mm -hmm. when Saul gets converted. Mm -hmm. And in verse 17, it says, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hand on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, <clears throat> so anyway, I thought that that was really significant because here in 23, Ananias is basically smacking, smacking, laying hands on Paul to smack him in the mouth, like, <laughs> shut up. Like, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. here, Ananias, the other Ananias is laying his hands on him to say, God, God has a plan for you mm -hmm. and he has chosen you. You are appointed. That's great. Great and observation. The Holy, the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit yeah. is, is there. So, and, it was just, and he was devout to yeah, the law, yes. whereas the high priest was, was anything but devout. Right, to the law. right. That's and, great, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then I love too how like Paul, after he lashes back at, at, at back at Ananias and he, he, he reverts back to the law and he apologizes. And, you know, so here the first Ananias and Paul are actually following the law and, <laughs> you know, 
whitewashed Ananias is not so much, you know. Mm. You so know, just... there's a backstory too. Uh, that when when Paul says that after he was struck, and he says to Ananias, you "God is going to strike you, you whitewash. God is going to strike you." I think it was just two years later that historically, Ananias fell in disrepute with Rome. He he got sent to Rome. And I don't, I can't remember if he was executed or not, but he mm. got struck. It, yeah. <laughs> One yeah. way or the other. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. So there, there yeah. is some interesting. And, and, and then too, another thing that jumped out of me in that same um, <clears throat> sort of, um, you know, repeating of names and things, when you brought out um, in 22, when Paul says, and he's recounting his story, who are you, Lord? What shall I do? Well, I was looking back in 21 and um, in verse 33, he said, when the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains, he inquired who was who he was and what he had done. Mm. So here we see the tribune inquiring of who Paul is and what has he done. But really the big overarching thing theme is who is the Lord yeah. and what shall I do, Lord? Yeah, great, like, great observation. I, just, I, I like those. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those little subtleties that Luke is probably purposely, or at least under divine inspiration, sure. bringing in there. Mm-hmm. Related to that is how wonderful for Paul because he never lost sight. It wasn't ever about him. It was about the resurrected Lord. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was he. Who are you, Paul? The Tribune would say, but Paul was always no. Right, right. Who was him? And how, I mean, how clever of him. This is once again back to talking about his personality, like how he took that conversation. Well, I mean, it wasn't really a conversation. He he diverted, (laughs) he diverted the attention off of him, threw it back on the Sadducees and Pharisees. And then, you know, here they are in a scuffle about, Mm. and it's not even about Paul anymore. (laughs) Well, and that, what, going back to what you're saying here, that's the cleverness where Paul, the shrewdness that, that he had. And it's all, Kind of all through that, look, Paul was in a pickle. I mean, there was no hope for him. Uh-huh. There was no way he was going getting out of those barracks alive. Mm-hmm. No way. Um, but God, mm-hmm. and I love that. But then it happened. You know, mm-hmm. then, yeah, yeah. then it happened, mm-hmm. and God uh, showed up. And again, I think that's what we need to to do. I, we, we we look at tragedies in life and we look at difficult things no they're no fun to go through and you don't want your kids to go through you don't mm-hmm. want little sammy to right. you know have rough spots in life mm-hmm. but it's going to happen mm-hmm. so what you want is that they will see jesus in the mm-hmm. midst of it mm-hmm. that comes by good parenting mm-hmm. to help you know help your kids see where and, and if, if we're always just protecting them or, or making excuses or or trying to if they see mom and dad solve the problem and it doesn't mean that we live recklessly sure. or irresponsibly but bringing those kids in we talked about that that last week when they went down to the beach mm-hmm. at, at uh, mm-hmm. paul at, at uh, troyes mm-hmm. and bring those kids and help them to see that God, and what's your story? God is writing your story, little Olivia, who's You're nine years old, or little Sammy, who's you know, about six months old. Yeah. yeah, it is. And so uh, that's how I think we make it real. And uh, I can remember years ago in seminary, one of my professors, um, in fact, it was Howard Hendricks, who came back from a summer, uh, um, and he'd gone to India, and he was ministering somewhere in, in some 
really difficult areas of India. It was life-changing for him. He came back and spoke in chapel, the first chapel back in, in, uh, in August. And he tells these stories of these vibrant believers who are just losing everything, even their lives. And he's ministering to these people because of the persecution that they're going through. And he said, I came back here. And he said, I came back to comfortable America. And he said, my prayer is, Lord, how can you start in a persecution here? Mm. Because mm. that's, we need to see that in the midst where there's nothing happening that we can see, or we're in the most mm -hmm. horrible situation God, you're going to work somehow in some way and uh, trust you for it. And mm -hmm. so that's, again, I think that's the value of the little tool that we brought out to people yeah. to get just something mm -hmm. to get people thinking about how you can look back and see those God moments and uh, realize every moment, mm -hmm. that every tick of the clock that we've lived has been a God moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, I think that's that good. was the value of the passage mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. It was really good. Guys, thank you for being here. Alicia, you're awesome. Mark, thank appreciate you. it, my man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As a reminder to our viewers and listeners, you can find us each and every week on your favorite podcast platform. Just type in Sermon Spotlight. Uh, we pop right up. If you want to know more information about what we're offering here at Fellowship Bible Church, all the different ministry areas and, and content and things, uh, please feel free to visit fbcva.org. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. God bless. Mm -hmm.